Welcome to Hattrick City on WXCI 91.7, Dan Barry's only all-hockey radio show. I know that some in our audience don't know the finer points of hockey. You want me to dummy you again? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 10th edition of Hattrick City. I am your host, DJ Patty Cake, joined by DJ Uncle Matt. Got a few things to go over before this very, very exciting 10th episode. Um, do you want to reflect a little on you know the, the journey we've been on so far through, through 10 episodes? It's just been a fantastic journey from my perspective. I think we had a lot of great people from the Danbury hockey community on to... Uh, um, Connect on a lot of important issues and a lot of fun conversations, uh, the least of which will be a great interview we have coming up with Johnny Ruiz on this episode. But yeah, I mean, from just launching our first episode, uh, having Dom Alessandro and Billy McCreary kind of come on, uh, you know, then Dom eventually created our logo, which is uh, which, for Hattrick City, which is out there. And then, you know, fun episodes like Tommy Pompasello's episode and Luke Richards and Dimitri Kuznetsov, and uh, we, we, we've just had a lot of fun episodes, and we really appreciate everybody who's been listening. Yes, thank you. Um, we're excited for this ride we're going to take in 2023. Um, ODR Classic, we're still waiting for the weather to get good on that. It's been like 40 degrees like every day, which sucks, and I like just talked to someone who was like not wishing for snow at all. I was like, yeah, well, you know, I'm kind of wishing for snow, or at least something colder, so we can get this going. But um, I know you were going and traveling to some arenas, at least new college ones. You said you saw Sacred Heart. Yeah, I had weekend. the chance to go up to Sacred Heart University on Monday with uh, some members of the media. It was good to see um, Eric Dobratz up there from Channel 8, great guy, friend of the show. Um, and it was also great to um, – just to preview what's going to be a great venue for hockey in the state of Connecticut. And what I could tell you is, is that um, this, is, this is a modern take on the classic college hockey on-campus venue, the, you know, the uh, classic on-campus college hockey venue, if you will. Mm-hmm. Just uh, there's not much parking around the building. You think that it might be for, for a new arena or whatever, but the truth is it's going to be a very cozy place to watch a game. Uh, the sight lines are unbelievable. The seats are at the the maximum depth allowed by the law. So it's it's really going to be an intimate place to see hockey. And I had a chance to talk with uh, Sacred Hearts head coach C.J. Maratolo, and I was really impressed um, just by him and 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 uh, his his kind of enthusiasm. The team has kind of been up and down this season, but I think you know that has to do with practicing at a public skating facility as a D1 team and playing in an AHL arena as kind of a college hockey D1 team, 25-minute ride um, from campus. Uh, So I think that they're going to gain a lot from the new arena, more than even the other teams that are open. The other team that's opening up is UConn, and that'll be Saturday night. I believe I'm going to get a chance to go down there and check out the new arena for Connecticut Magazine story, and I'll bring you guys more 
um, on my findings next week. But I was definitely impressed on what's going on at Sacred Heart. The coaches' offices kind of overlook the arena in kind of an overhang situation. There's a cool little pizza area went right when you walk in but it's a it's a compact little building the players are going to have a great locker room and and training facilities and stuff like that so it's good to see um it's a big big time this week is going to mark just in my opinion a big change in connecticut college hockey all four of the division one college hockey programs here in connecticut ncaa division one they're going to have their own on-campus arena and this is just going to change things. Uh, th- this is going to put college hockey in Connecticut more on par with maybe the on-campus experience at a UConn basketball game, men's or women. Uh, I think that uh, it, it, it's a really an exciting time, and I think I'm, I'm really glad to be there, uh, not only for Connecticut Magazine, but... I'm glad that we're here as Hattrick City kind of documenting this just yeah. on our own show, that, that you're, you're going to see two brand-new hockey buildings in the state. Yale's still got one of the best old barns, uh, people say, to go check out. And then Quinnipiac's had a building for a while now, and they're, just look at the amazing uh, kind of season they're having. So uh, I'm, I'm personally excited, and I think that anybody that really likes college hockey in Connecticut, there's – there's a new option if you want to go see a college hockey game on a weekend that the hat tricks are out of town or if you don't want to uh, risk the tolls and travel uh, as much as you would have to for an NHL game in the city. Um, that's just my two cents, but I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how these buildings enhance the experience for hockey fans across the state. Yeah, and I'm definitely going to head my way over to both of those at some point during the season when I have a, a free spot where I'm not working with anyone. But, um, you know, staying with college hockey, this past weekend, the 6th and the 7th, uh, Frozen Fenway took place. Um, you had Quinnipiac facing against Harvard. I'm going over the Connecticut ones, by the way. And then there was UConn versus, I believe it was um, Northeastern, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, UConn fell to Northeastern, um, but Quinnipiac dominated against Crimson 3-1. to one. I got to watch a bit of that game, and let me tell you, it did not disappoint watching them. Um, you know, it was crazy how the weather there, it was like a light rain. They were, prepared, like, you know, preparing for that. Then it turned into snow, and they were just able to, to get the ball rolling pretty easily once they, they scored their first goal. Um, however, the second goal was probably the, the major highlight one, um, technically the game winner of that game. Um Nina Steigoff, she she hit this one in. Literally, it was like a like a baseball swing at the puck. They almost called it a high stick, but you know, thankfully not, and it counted. So that was a pretty epic one to see. She just swung at it and it went right in like that. Um, definitely an awesome game. Uh, Andrews, their their goalie, she did a phenomenal job in net, only letting in one in the third, but you know that's all good. And then a few days prior to that, we we didn't mention this last show, but was the NHL Winter Classic between the Bruins and Penguins. That was another another good competition to watch. Uh, Bruins ended up winning that one 3-2 over Pittsburgh. Um, the atmosphere there was electric. I'd, I'd never seen something like that, you know. In my few years watching hockey, I was, you know, I was pretty stunned by that and actually had a buddy of mine who, who went, and he was pretty, pretty close to the field, but his sight line was kind of meh because he was behind... Um, 
one of the net side. So you're only, you know, behind the net and you have all this equipment in the way and, you know, just the, the glass kind of fogs up your, your view a little. But either way, um, it's fun to watch. Did you get a chance to watch it? I didn't really get a chance to watch much. I was kind of caught up in some uh, residency graduate work here um, at WestCon. But, uh, listen, nobody loves a good outdoor hockey game like I do. And uh, <laughs> I, I would actually like to see some type of – um, I got some whispers the other day while I was on campus at SHU. Again, nothing really official or formal, but it does look like the Connecticut Ice Tournament will not continue in its current iteration. Mm. Um, I'm pretty sure that uh, SNY is out, no longer interested in broadcasting it. And uh, because the teams are in different conferences here in Connecticut, it may get tricky to try to continue this without that anchor sports network kind of anchoring the thing and inviting all the teams in. So um, I'd love to see some type of outdoor games here in here in Connecticut or maybe even an outdoor tournament uh, that takes place. Um, You know, you have the opportunity to take a look at the old Dillon Stadium in Hartford and places like that. And, and I, I think there's an opportunity to do it. And, and um, I love outdoor hockey. So it, it, it would be a nice kind of thing to see that tradition here in Connecticut, maybe at some time later in the year, or maybe it's just uh, around the New Year's kind of kind of hallmark, you know? Yeah. And then I know a few years back, uh, Quinnipiac's head coach had actually, you know, they mentioned the idea of, you know, doing something outdoors, maybe in New Haven or against New Haven, rather against Yale. Um, that'd be something fun to see. I don't think Connecticut as a whole. I think the last major outdoor tournament, correct me if I'm wrong, was I think it was when it was the Connecticut Whale as opposed to the Hartford Wolfpack. They played against Providence on a uh, UConn's field. Yes. So. I mean that that could be a potential site to do it again if if they want to, but again that was twelve years ago now, so you know things change with that. But I definitely hope to see even if it's an outdoor college game that that'd still be I know that'd be electric. No, it would be great. I think that what makes college sports is the fanfare, and I think it would be great if maybe not right away but in the next couple of years as we build up the fan base especially the on-campus kind of fan base for these these two teams that'll be moving essentially uh back on campus um yeah i think that uh i think that you could see a really cool and electric atmosphere uh presenting itself if they did some type of outdoor game um Moving on a little bit, um, the Hockey News has released their money and power issue with, you know, it's the the game-changing people in the NHL. If you have a chance to go online and you can see a digital copy of the Hockey News, uh, you could uh, take a look at some of the issues that they've brought up. I I really like this issue um, because I see somebody that I, I... kind of know through correspondence on LinkedIn, Kim Davis on the cover. Uh, you know, she's she is the NHL's executive VP for Social Impact Growth Initiative and Legislative Affairs. Um, her role has changed in representing the NHL in a lot of grassroots and situations in the last five years, but she's somebody I know uh, that has done a lot of good work. Um, 
at the NHL level to kind of open up the game and give people opportunities um, to have access to the game. So there's a good uh, there's a good interview with Kim Davis in the newest issue of the Hockey News. Somebody I wanted to point out, and then there's and then there's a lot of good interviews. You know, interview with Gary, Gary Bettman, interview with Bill Daly, um, and the list goes on and on. And then it really goes into the um, kind of the century club of the 100 most powerful and influential people in hockey this year. And they're ranked in 13 categories by clout. But uh, ultimately, Gary Bettman uh, was, you know, the number one most powerful guy in hockey. You know, he's uh, he's really at, at, at the forefront of the league. And uh, for all the criticism for Gary Bettman, I think he's done a pretty good job. I mean, the NHL is in many, many markets. He's kept it in markets where it hasn't worked as well. And he's brought it back to places where it does work uh, in some cases. And I, I, I think it's commendable. I had a chance to meet him very briefly in 2020 at the NHL All-Star Game. And I was, I was, um, I was impressed with his uh, just willingness to engage with the fans. And, and uh, so, listen, I'm sure traditional old-school hockey guys have a lot to say about how he runs the league and keep a, sco- keep a scorecard uh, of everything that he does. But uh, ultimately, it, it's, uh, it's Gary Bettman who's driven the NHL for a long time. So, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of good interviews with, with people that are, that are involved in the NHL, from NHL operations to NHL owners. Uh, Jeremy Jacobs, uh, the owner of the Boston Bruins, was ranked the number one most powerful owner in the NHL, very interesting considering that team uh, hasn't hasn't won a cup in, in a while, although they've competed for a few recently. Uh, Craig Leopold was named the number two most powerful owner. And again, the list the list goes on, right? Uh, you know, um, you can go in there and you can learn more about the uh, people who are behind the scenes in the NHL. Um, and I think that uh, when you get to that level, there's so many people who make it work. And the hockey news always has an interesting way of kind of breaking things down. So if you, if you have interest, you can check out the hockey news either online or through a digital subscription that comes right to your phone or anything like that. So it's great to, great to check in with what the hockey news was doing uh, this month. But to get back to more local issues. We had a couple of great hockey games in Danbury last week. One in which on Friday night uh, the Hattricks fell to Carolina. It was 6-3. Um, their first loss at home of the season. Um, yeah, it was a tough game to watch. Um, you know, being down 3 nothing, I believe um, going into the second period. Um and that's when we scored our first goal. And then after that, it was kind of an uphill battle. And, you know, we came up short 6-3. But it was it was the way the team played was, you know, they they looked tired, like, from the start. It didn't, like, they as soon as, you know, they, you know, Carolina had scored, they were, they were the first ones to score, which is rare. Um, you know, building was kind of like, that's a little weird. Even the team was like, ah, that you know, that sucks. But 
Um, you know, there was a few points where I don't feel that Wilson was protected as much as he could have been. Mm. Um, you know, and they could have done a better job with that. But I think there was just a lot of things that went wrong for them that entire game um, in all parts, really. Um, but however, the the next night was a packed house. It was, you know, a very electric three to two win. Um, you know, describing that last minute there, um, you know, it was Carolina was pretty much, you know, on a press on our zone, just feeding shots, feeding shots right to Frankie. And Frankie was, you know, pretty much spinning on his head, grabbing each one, trying to get it out. And, you know, Jared Diao jumped in, blocked a few shots as well. And they were able to get it out. And Jusso comes flying through, takes the puck, kind of jukes out uh, Carolina's goalie there. And then next thing you know, hits in the game winner. Place goes berserk. Um, I know in the box we were we were jumping for joy, <laughs> um, but you could tell the whole building was just like definitely the you know super loud. It was one of the louder times I've heard this building really just erupt. And um, you know we'll, we'll post it to the socials, but one of the photographers actually caught the the shot like in one photo, like as it went in, and you know that was probably one of the the best photos I had seen in. Uh, one of these games that uh, she had taken but you know we were able to at least get one win in get you know get those three points but we're moving on this weekend we're going to be on the road facing against Mississippi for the first time in uh in club history if you really think about it um so we'll be traveling down there you know I never want to jinx anything should be an easy win gonna knock on wood for that uh thoughts on this Matt um listen I think it's interesting that um, we've gotten to this point in the season and we really haven't seen much out of the Mississippi team. They're three wins, 21 losses, uh, three OT losses for 12 points. Um, what can we say about them? I mean, it's it's a struggling franchise. They aren't doing really very much better than the Delaware Thunder. I think they're competing a little better at times, maybe. Yeah. But um, it, it's been a struggle for these three bottom teams in the FHL. And when you really look at it, um, the only new team that's made any type of favorable impact has been the Motor City Rockers of the three new teams uh, in the league. And even them, they're they're sitting in fourth place in the Continental Division, which is, which is divided between two teams in Michigan and three teams in the, the American Southeast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, typically, those those areas are divided, in their uh, kind of divisional structure. But uh, be that as it is, it's going to be uh, the challenge. I think will be, you know having that momentum after a long traveling thing to go down there and play a team that, you know, as uh, Johnny Ruiz is going to say later on in this in this broadcast, you know, they, they are drawing significant number of fans and it's a, it's, a, it's a good building to play in, whether you're on the home team when, or if you're visiting, I'm sure it's one of the better atmospheres, the type of more vibrant crowd. I, I think that's 
that's what we have to look forward to. It's, uh, you know, I've said it before. As long as teams uh, are going to be this non-competitive, there's going to be there's going to be bad hockey at times, and I think it's it's really on Mississippi to put up a good fight against you know the Danbury Hattricks who are in first place in the Empire Division with you know uh, there are 21 wins, two losses. Two overtime losses. Uh, mm. Two overtime losses. Um, yeah, yeah. I think one of them was a shootout loss, and then was a overtime loss. Yeah, and uh, so I, I, I think they're. It's up to Mississippi to really step it up and see if they can put on a good fight against Danbury this weekend. I'm not going to bank on it, but uh, I, I would say that it's on them to do it in their in their barn in front of their fans. Yeah, um, and with that being said, let's carry on right into this episode. we got Bryce French coming on next, so uh, make sure to stay tuned. Stay tuned for Johnny Ruiz later on, too, on WXEI Danbury. This is Frankie McClendon, Danbury Hattrick's goalie. You're listening to Hattrick City Radio on 91.7 WXCI. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Hattrick City. I'm your host, DJ Patty Cake, joined by DJ Uncle Matt in the studio. We got a very, very special guest. He's like family. He is family. Definitely. Definitely one of our greatest family members, Mr. Bryce French. Bryce, how are we doing today? Doing good. Doing good. How about you, how about you guys? Frenchie, it's good to see you, man. No, you, you know? as well. It's yeah, it's it's been a long time. Good to be back, and you know, it's been awesome to thanks for having me on, everything like that. And I remember when uh, you you played with us last season, maybe how many games? Maybe total thirty five or so, wow. so, something like that. I maybe right. I was about to say you played played a good chunk of the season with us, and I think you um, you moved over to Carolina, and I think you played right away with them here. I right? did. It was actually a funny story. So when I here in Danbury, here, yep. So it was. And I, when I picked up by Carolina, it was, you know, they were coming here that weekend or something like that. It was like a Monday or a Tuesday, like the week before. It was, and then Carolina, you know, it was a quick turnaround. Carolina picked me up. And then I actually went and stayed. I went and lived at Jusso's house for for that week because I was like, I don't want to go all the way down to Carolina for, you know, a few days practice and then have to come all, you know, drive, you know, 12, 14 hours all the way back. So I, I went I went lived at, uh, at, at Jusso's house for that, and then we drove the game together, and then huh. I played, and then all of a sudden I hopped on the bus to Carolina, and then we drove the drove the Binghamton and played because that was the last, uh, what, three regular season games or something like that, like right like right before playoffs. So I was like, hey, I'll just, I'll just stick around and drove the Binghamton, and then, you know, that was pretty much pretty much that. So As, as we were saying before we started recording, there were worse places – Definitely worst places in this league you could have gotten traded to. You say, you know, you're in a great college town down there. Winston-Salem is the home of Wake Forest University. Tell us a little bit about the life and the culture down there, like you like you were saying just a little earlier. Oh, I mean, it's, it's I mean, it's for the fans and everything. The fans, the fans are great down there. I mean, like, you know, it's, they're, they're definitely rowdy. I mean, like getting down south where hockey's not really, it's just starting to get up and coming. They're uh, they're still a little you know new to it. A lot of fans are new to it, but they I mean they love it. So I mean like you know I think I think last weekend we had like thirty five hundred people at the game. You know the the you know was for like New Year's and everything like that. So I mean it was it was crazy. Like you know whole whole barn was packed and they love their goals and their fights down there. So it's you know it's it's been, it's been you know it's been. It's been good to get down there. The, you know, the fans, the, like the fans are awesome. Our, 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 like our Brewster Club down there is, you know, they're they're awesome too. Like, you know, they they spoil us rotten, and our and our like, and our fans do too. So, um, 
definitely a really passionate fan group, just like here in Danbury. I mean, like, you know, like when I played here, I mean, like, even like, you know, I'm still feeling the love, even like when I come back and play, like, you know, the Animal House is still kind of, you know, rooting me on, but not rooting me on at the same time. So, but, you know, like, you know, the fans, the fans here and the fans there have been, you know, been awesome throughout my, you know, my short-lived pro career right now. But, you know, hopefully we can kind of keep it going and everything like that. Take us a little bit back further. We, as we said, just, we were saying just before, you you are a native of Alaska. You grew up in Alaska. Yep. And your dad, um, he had some professional and he had some major junior experience as a goalie. Yep. Right. Yep. And tell me, when when does it kind of hockey get to be kind of a competitive thing for you? I guess you went through the junior ranks in places like Colorado and Texas. Like we're, Obviously, I'm sure you started playing young, having a pro dad. But when, when does it get a little more like you have to make a decision to leave home and all that, you know? So it was actually early for me. So, like, I mean, obviously growing up with my dad, like, I mean, I was, I was you know, I was, I was a rink rat. I've been mm-hmm. at the rink ever since I was young, um, before I can even remember, you know, you know, mom bringing me to watch, you know, dad play or, or whatever when I was, you know, young, young. But, you know, getting on skates at two years old. And, I mean, that's kind of the culture back home in Alaska. Like, there's not much to do of nine months out of the year because, you know, it's kind of a frozen wasteland. So, I mean, there's ice everywhere. Like, you know, there's, I live in, I, I come from a town, you know, 30,000 people or so, and, you know, the, the second largest in Alaska. Is it, but, is that mystery Alaska? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> little bigger than that, a little bigger than that. But, um, so, but, I mean, like in my small town, we have five or six rinks, like, you know, indoor rinks within a, you know, 15 mile radius or something, you know, or so. And then all the outdoor ranks and the frozen lakes and rivers and ponds and whatever. So, I mean, it's kind of one of those, you know, almost everyone played hockey for the most part, you know, either been on skates or, you know, some liked it, some didn't, but that's just kind of the way it goes. But, um, yeah, definitely, definitely. It was, I mean, early for me, I mean, I always knew that I wanted to play hockey and my dad played. So, um, I, I, I ended up leaving home. I was 15 when I left home. That was kind of where, um, I just kind of, grew out of the you know the area and everything like that you know so it was where you know it was either kind of do or die so i mean i i left home at 15 and i went and played for a triple a program in uh ever in everett washington but an hour north of seattle did you always play defense i've always been a d yep always been a d i I never really liked playing forward so i you know a few games here or there we got short on guys we throw up on forward everything like that but no i i tried goalie once my little brother's a goalie dad's a goalie but I, I I couldn't do it. After, so after many Bud Lights, um, one game last season, <laughs> I approached you uh, in your cowboy hat, and I asked you to debunk or or confirm. Like, I what I wanted to know was, <clears throat> among the people who do like hockey in Alaska, do they do you did you have that accessibility to pond hockey like most of the year or most of the winter? For the most part, yeah. I mean, like so. An, almost every rink or school there's an outdoor rink um so like the big dip rice arena it's where you know there's a good uh, junior program there the fairbanks ice dogs mm-hmm. um so they so like that's that's their home rink but there's f- three outdoor rinks there almost every single school has an, has an outdoor arena um and then i had a my my old man and myself we, we used to and my little brother we used to put in a, a like a backdoor rink at, at our house too so we'd be out there in the middle of you know December with a sprinkler going in the backyard, just running around for you know a few hours and flooding, flooding the backyard at you know forty below, and it 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 would freeze pretty quick. You know, put up some little boards, and then you'd always have an outdoor rink outside, or you know if you go play pond hockey with the guys, or have guys over to your house and just just play hockey. So that was pretty much all there all there was to do for the most part. And 
That's what we did. So you bounced around a little bit. You started in Everett, Washington. You ended up in Colorado Springs for a while. Take us through those next few years, kind of, uh, I like to call it hat tricks time, kind of from 2019, 2020 on. You went back to Canada. Just tell us kind of how you got through juniors to college and to here. Okay, so started out. So my first junior team I think I played for, I was in... I had a short stint with uh, with 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 Kenai, so it was the Kenai River Brown Bears. I I went, I played, I played preseason with them, and then things didn't really work out there. So then I went and played um, in Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan, which is like you know northern like northern UP Michigan. Um, I played there for I don't know, I think it was like 40, 50 games, something like that. And then the next year, started the year in uh, New Mexico, played a little bit there. I was there for a month or so. And then I went to uh, Texas, and I played most of the season there. And where then, was that in Texas? Uh, College Station. Okay, it's where uh, a and and M. A and M. That is. must have been a good time. It was too. a really good time too. Yeah, yeah there was a, there was a few spots there that we used to go out to and big time college sports. Oh yeah, type of thing. super yeah. cool, super yeah. cool. It was that was a, that was a cool experience. I lived with it with a great family there too that had a you know a farm there. So I, any attendance at those games or not really pretty hurt. Yeah. yeah, it was it was, hockey's still very new there. So the, I think they're starting to get a little bigger now, but you know hockey was still very new there. So. I mean, f- I mean, football in Texas, you know, A and M is you know huge, everything like that. Like you know the, the like you know the the twelfth man, like the like the football stadium there is the biggest building in the entire town. And then you, where is this other place, Sheridan? Sheridan, Wyoming. Okay. I, I went there, so I, I got traded there because it was my it was my last year of juniors. It was my twenty year old year, um, so we weren't doing too hot in Texas. So I, I wanted to go, you know, win, win a championship, and you know, Sheridan they won or they lost like one game all year, two games all year, so. I ended up going there and making a making a pretty good playoff push. Um, ended up not winning, but you know that's beside the point. <laughs> but no, then I uh, I ended up committing to a, a to a um, a small D three school uh, north like Northern College. I played a semester there. wasn't really the right fit for me. I didn't didn't really like it too much. Um, what what was it about the college experience? Was it the schooling? Was it the ice time? What was it? Almost kind of all around for me. Um, I I wasn't I wasn't a huge fan of school kind of growing up. I never I don't I don't really want you know I didn't really need to go to school for what I want to do after hockey or you know previous. I'm like I don't really want you know be spending all this money to do something I don't really want to do. And I figured I could you know get on with another program or get something on where I'm just playing hockey and enjoying it. So I wasn't I wasn't you know a, a huge fan of it. Um, I didn't really like you know the the area and everything like that. You know where was it? It was northern Wisconsin. It was Ashland, Wisconsin, right on right on Lake Superior. So it was a small, small little town. You know, just kind of the college there and some other stuff. But it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't. You know, a big, a big area, a small school. I think there was six hundred kids at the school. Was that where Gonzalez went? It was. Yeah. Yep. And then and then Gus Ford on my team went there too. Wow. Yep. So, yep. Few guys, but so I. I mean, I, I think they liked it a little more. I wasn't too fond of it. Um, I, I ended up breaking for uh, for Christmas. I played the semester. We we went on you know winter winter break and everything like that. And then I actually went back to Texas to skate with my old junior team. And my uh, my coach there, Mike Beavis, knew. Um, he goes, yeah, I, I have a you know connection. I was I think about not going back. And he goes, well, I have a connection here in uh, in Danbury, which was you know um, coach here. So he ended up calling Mac up. And he was like, yeah, like, you know, maybe you'll have a spot for you. And then that same day I, I told my coach North and I wasn't planning on coming back. I got a call from, um, I got a call from Mac here. 
and he was like, Hey, like, you know, we're playing in Carolina this weekend. Would you want to come down? I said, for sure. So I ended up, I, I rented a car from, I was at my, uh, I was, where, I think I was, I was in Michigan at the time. I was visiting, visiting some family there. So I drove from Michigan here, met the, met the team here, or excuse me, met the team in Carolina, um, played, played there. And he came up to me and was like, Hey, you want to come back with us? And I was like, I'd, I'd love to. And then I ended up, you know, rest of history played, you know, 30, 30 something, 30 odd number of games in here in Danbury. And then, you know, moved on to Carolina and that's pretty much, that's pretty much up to, up to date so far as, as like, as of right now. Yeah. I mean, it seems like you had to take a little bit of a leap of faith right there because uh, <clears throat> you know what it is. Um, and I think we're starting to see it in other sports too. Um, I think, unfortunately, college soccer, which it, it has the shell of something that could be very good, but just it, there are so many things working against it and so many old ideas that they're married to. It'll it'll never be what it, it could be. But it seems like a lot of guys in this league get a taste of college. I, we, I, I'm not sure if I caught that right. Were you, you and your family or whoever, were you, were you responsible to pay something as well? Yeah, I mean, like they're like tuition, there's you know, some small stuff like that. But I mean, like for me, like you know, I, I pay for everything myself. You know, what I mean, like I, if, if 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 I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it myself, type of thing. So. No, I'm saying, but but like, so so what I mean is, you did have to pay something. There, yep. Was there some portion of it, portion of it, taken care of also? Or? Yep. I mean, like I mean, I I mean, like I got I I, I was able to get some, some some good scholarships and everything like that. But there was still you know there was still a small a small yeah, portion yeah. where I had to pay you know because it was it was Division three, not Division one. Right, you know right. they, they can't offer full academic scholarships yeah. and everything like that. So um, I was able to get some really good you know academic scholarships and some other. But scholarships. at a college like that. What were you still responsible for? Was it ten thousand or? I think it was like four or something That's like that. It's not too bad. It was yeah. some, it, I mean, it, it wasn't too bad. I mean, small school, everything like that. But it was still one of the you know thing where I wasn't I wasn't too happy with you know you know the not that I was too happy. I just I, I was never really got into school. That wasn't really a big thing for me. And then um, I I wasn't you know too happy with you know the uh, the ice time and stuff like that too. So, but I mean. Lo- loved all my teammates there, the coaching staff and everything like that. It just it was just, just didn't feel like it was a right fit for me. So how old were you when you went through college? I was twenty one. Twenty one. Yep. Usually, right. So let me ask you something. Do you? This is just a weird question, but I guess because we're in a college, we'll ask him a college question. For sure. <laughs> Do you think if you had gone straight to college at eighteen, like if there was some, if there were more opportunities for college hockey, and you could have just gone straight at eighteen, yep. you think you would have stuck it out a little longer? Probably not. Okay. Yeah, probably not. I think I think being being a little older for me might actually like help me help me get through it a little more, uh-huh. like a little more maturity, be able you know actually bear down and do stuff. So like growing up for me, it was all um, I was I was homeschooled most growing up, and then you know leaving at fifteen, I left you know my what I think it was my sophomore year. I did I did online school all growing up, so I never really went to you know classrooms or anything like that. So that was kind of all new to me. Um, Still, so, you know, having to adapt a little bit. Even for that, prior but, to hockey. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I never really went to went to public school. Never did like the classroom thing and all the stuff. So it was. I think it helped me in the long run, be able to you know just bear down, just get my stuff done right away. Um, the school aspect of it, but it's something about it. Just, just, just didn't feel like it was right. It was like difficult a right transition in some ways too. For sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. So tell us, like, okay, you're in some small D three college. Yep. In uh, Danbury, uh, pardon me, in, in Wisconsin. You're in a small D3 college mm-hmm. in Wisconsin. And then the next thing you know, you're, 
you're basically in the Battle Royal in the Federal Hockey League. Yep. T- t- just tell us a little bit about that transition period, that change, you know, that, that your, your, your face mask, your guard is off, your face guard is off now, yep. and you're out there playing pro hockey. It was, it was super cool. It was definitely, definitely, um, like playing in Carolina, it was the, you know, the first, the first, you know, the first few games, it was, it was New Year's playing in Carolina, you know, meet, meeting all the guys going from, you know, playing with guys kind of my age to playing with some older guys, you know, playing with like, you know, Steve Brown, who's, you know, 11 years or yeah, like 11 years older than I am and everything like that. That's, you know, super, you know, that's been through, you know, the league a bunch and, you know, super, uh, you know, super good guy and definitely has, you know, one of those super vets that's just an absolute, you know, awesome guy that definitely helped me, you know, make the transition a little bit. But it was, you know, like, you know, thanks for some of those older guys kind of, you know, helping me out. But it was it was super cool, you know, playing in front of two three hundred people maybe to you know three thousand then coming back to Danbury for my first game and how supportive the fans were and how awesome everyone was it was it was yeah you know speechless for you know honestly so because looking at your kind of just looking at your um elite prospects I you know and again you could correct me anywhere I'm wrong I just can't see any place where your home games would have been in front of a lot of people no definitely not uh Sheridan Sheridan, we sold out, but it was a smaller barn. Mm-hmm. I mean, probably eight hundred people, wow. may, well, maybe, yeah. maybe type of deal. Where you know, going from that to right into you know playing pro hockey, three thousand people plus in the, at a game, everyone screaming, everything like that. It was definitely a dream come true to be able to say that. You know, I'm getting was getting paid to play something I've always loved playing and something that I've really enjoyed doing ever since I was a young young kid. You know, especially coming from a small town, you know, coming from Alaska, like you never, that's not really, you know, a big thing is is being able to, you know, say that you're getting paid to play something that you love doing. So tell us when, and you know, you got the opportunity to move on to to another team in the league and you've you've established yourself as a, a consistent player in the league, but is there anything that you miss about this area? What, since you've been gone or, or something that you know you, it doesn't necessarily have to be you, you miss it but something that you know you really enjoyed while you were here too oh there's i mean there's there's, there's, there's i mean there's a few things for sure definitely like the you know hanging out with some of the guys you know like i i used to hang out with uh you know johnny ruiz a lot and everything like that and we kind of had a and, and then a few other guys like Corey anderson and uh gordy bunnell and um, so, you know, some of the, like some of the older guys in the uh, on the team and everything like that used to go. We had you know routines every every week where we do you know go to practice and then we go to the same spots to eat after every day and um, definitely some of like the uh, the rituals that that we had throughout the you know the, like the course of the week was you know super uh, you know like special and cool for sure. It's like some of the stuff that you know that that we would do. Um, Trying to think what else kind of you know in the area that I mean. Everything for the most part. I mean, it's it's definitely a lot different down in Carolina. I I mean, I love it down there. I have a whole new set of, you know, rituals and teammates that I, I do do stuff with and everything like that. But there's there's always that um, there's always that little stuff here that you that you know that you miss. So, but I mean, it's it's good though to be able you know expand and I mean I've played for a lot lots of teams, lots lots of different places and getting to see different parts of the country and experiment you know experience different cultures and everything like that. It's been I've been I've been pretty you know fortunate in that aspect to be be able to play in all these different states and you know countries and everything like that so tell me um a little bit about what what's the arena set up like down there how many people does it hold i think we're maxed out i want to say 30 
five, I think is our, I think it's max capacity, maybe 4,000 if, you know, people, a lot of people are standing, everything like that. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's a older rink. It's, you know, in the, in the, like right in the fairgrounds, the annex. 4,000. 4,000 mm-hmm. is that what it is. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, I mean, like we're, like we're pretty much almost sold out most, like most, most games. I mean, if there's some, something big going on, especially in like the fans down there are, uh, they're diehard. So they're, they're one of those things where it's like, if you're winning, they're going to be there. But if, if you're losing, you'll just kind of whittle away a little bit. Wow. So, oh, jeez. But it's, um, no, Never they're awesome. here though. in Danbury. No, no. <laughs> they no. wouldn't have that problem here. <laughs> they're awesome. I lo- love our fans to death, love our Roosters to death. Like they're, like, you know, they're awesome. T- Super. T- tell me a little bit about your progress, how you feel that you've advanced in the last year as a player. And what, what are your goals at this point? You've played a number of pro games now. Yep. Uh, you're over 50. Probably. So definitely coming in the league, um, being like, I think lot, like, you know, last year being one of the younger guys in the league, obviously like there was only a handful of us, 2000, you know, birth years in the league. Um, and three of us being on Danbury, it was, you know, me, um, Johnny McDonald and then, and then Ojik. Um, wow. so but like there was only a handful of us. So definitely, Learning how to, you know, be able to, you know, b- bigger, faster, stronger, going from playing with, you know, younger guys, playing with guys that were, you know, lots, you know, not necessarily smaller, but, you know, just, you know, just younger, you know what I mean? Play with guys, you know, peers, everything that to play with guys that are much older, uh, bigger, faster, stronger hockey, just definitely having to, you know, develop and, um, and that aspect of it. But I think, I think over the last year, definitely confidence has, has, has been a big thing for me. Um, just, going from you know here like not really sure what was kind of going on you know just just kind of getting my foot in the door and everything like that to um really trying to you know establish myself as as a guy that can um that can you know that you know that can play and that can actually um you know cause some damage when i need to type of deal so (laughs) um a little bit of a a non-serious question oh boy um (laughs) non-serious Last year, you know, your so signature here from the doctor, right? No, I'm serious. <laughs> um, you know, your signature look has always been the cowboy hat. How did that come to be? So, when I first moved to Colorado, I guess it would have been you know kind of moving out out west, and then I think it really kind of you know took off when I was playing up in Wyoming, um, kind of getting into getting into ranching, getting into you know to rodeo there. Um, as you know, and then Texas too, I guess, I, I guess I, I did a, like a, like a, you know, a little bit there, but that's definitely been the big thing, you know, ranching and punching cows and, yeah. you know, rodeo and stuff like that. So that's kind of where that, you know, kind of took off. Cause it's, that's not really a thing back home. There's not really any, you know, ranching and anything like that going on. Cause you know, it's cold and there's not much going on there. <laughs> so, but, you know, moving into some, like, so, you know, down South and some of these places that are, you know huge ranch country and farm country and stuff like that so kind of you know getting that and falling in love with that and that's what you know i like to do in the summertime and um it's just yeah just you know punching cows and um (laughs) (laughs) and you know like you know rodeo here there so but that's kind of where that you know all kind of you know came about and speaking about you know these places you've been to you're telling me about 14 states um what state did you enjoy living in the most and then the least if you want to do the least? Oh for oh for sure. No, I can do that. I can do that easy actually. <laughs> um so I I really liked I so I up Sharon Wyoming is right on like the Montana state line too. So it's mm-hmm. like, you know, thirty minutes here in Montana. So Montana or yeah, Montana and Wyoming were definitely some states that I really enjoyed playing in. 
Colorado was a was a, also a, a cool one too. That whole kind of that whole stretch where it's you know Montana down to Wyoming, down to Colorado, down to New Mexico. I mean, I played in all I played in all those places and loved them all. You know, like like you know, I mean, like the, with with the mountains and the kind of like you get everything there in Colorado. Like you have your you know your sand dunes out west. And you have your mountain you know with your mountains and then you have your you know your desert type of deal where it's you know it's I mean all the kind of landscapes you can imagine where you can go do anything you want to do. Um, and then up in Wyoming where it's just, you know, mountains and trees and everything like that. So, um, and then my least favorite place I played was definitely my first, my first year away in, in, in Seattle area. That was, now it was not for me. Was so. it just like the rainy kind of like gloomy type? Yeah. The rainy, I didn't really, you know, I, I, I didn't really do much while I was there. Like this, you know, the city and everything like that. So like playing in these smaller places, especially like, you know, coming from, coming from a small town where there's, you know not really a city or anything like that, you know, Alaska, mm-hmm. to, you know, it really felt like home going back to like, you know, Wyoming and Montana and some of these places I can kind of go out and get away from everyone, you know, when you need to. Um, but that's, those are definitely my favorite, some of the favorite places I've played. New Mexico, I really liked too. It was weird, lot, like, di- like completely 180 from home. Um, but it was, it was cool for sure. Yeah. I, I, I think this is going to be one of the, It'll be an interesting response. Um, so we ask most guys that come on, do yep. you have one particular NHL team that you have an allegiance to? And I think it's going to be an interesting response because your yeah. home state doesn't have an NHL team. And almost none of those states that you mentioned, loving, only yep. one has an NHL team. They happen yeah. to be the defending Stanley Cup champs. Yeah, yep. no, I don't really have a, a diehard. I, growing up, Detroit was probably um, was was my favorite team, but I don't really have a you know a diehard NHL team growing up. Like my favorite player, it was Detroit and Chicago. So like my favorite player growing up was Bob Probert, and he played for you know Detroit and Chicago. So those were the kind of the teams that I I liked uh, I liked watching and stuff like that. But other than that, no, I don't really have a. Like the closest team now would be Seattle and everything like that. Like I mean, a, a lot of guys hopped on the Seattle train back home because it's like the closest team. Like same with the Seahawks. Like everyone mm-hmm. loves the Seahawks in Alaska because it's you know the, yeah. like the closest team, even though it's still you know four hours by plane away, but super far. <laughs> <laughs> what what I um one thing I wanted to ask you is how much kind of input or time do you spend um talking to your dad about the pro experience and are your parents ever able to come out to this you know down here to see you play yeah actually so they were able to make it down to danbury last year when i was playing here and got to see you know meet meet, meet all the fans and meet everyone it's like that was a cool experience for them it was actually i ended up um i fought against carolina my <laughs> it was there was their first game here i ended up fighting like right in front of them so they you know they so they you know they enjoyed that <laughs> um but I ended up so they and then they made it out. They actually were able to make it out last weekend uh, at our uh, at our New Year's game. So they were there for you know the big New Year's celebration, everything like that. So it was them, and then uh, a family that I lived with when I was playing junior still in Texas. Uh, like my 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 you know hoster billet family there was able to make it out too. So I had you know two sets of parents oh, wow. there, you know for the for the big New Year's celebration, and then you know got to watch us you know got to watch me play and everything like that. So that was. That was definitely a cool experience, you know, for them to come out and, you know, them and then like you know, like my billet family come from Texas playing, you know, in front of you know, hundred people maybe a game to us having a sold out barn and seeing you know me see me playing on the big stage was was super cool for him too. So, what 
Um, what does your dad do now? Is he involved in hockey at all? Or? Not really. So he he actually works up in uh, he works in a small like a small town just about I'm gonna say twenty. No, I I guess it'd be almost an hour from Ottawa. So he works for the uh, the Canadian military there. He uh, he works on all different kinds of aircraft there wow. and and helicopters. Oh, okay. So so yeah so so he like he works for like a contract through Boeing, um, and works on helicopters and stuff like that. So he he's just a mechanic up there and. So he's not really in Alaska anymore. Is nope. No. Oh. Yep. What about where's your mom live? My mom's back home too. So my mom, so my dad's able to come back and visit every now and then. And my mom will just go out and visit my dad. Oh wow. And stuff like that. But my mom kind of holds on the fort back home in Alaska, and waits for all. So like my brother's playing in uh, Minnesota right now. Uh, my sister lives in Colorado, actually where I you know played for a few years. She moved out there. She came and visited and really liked it. So she ended up moving out there last year, I want to say. Um, so we kind of, we're all, we're all spread out. Family's all, all spread out yeah. for the most part. But I'm like, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm able to make it home for, you know, a short stint in the summertime after the season's over to go back and do some, do some hunting, do some fishing, kind of do some, you know, just kind of go home and get back to the roots a little bit. What about, um, you know, just in the last few months, how have you been, how have you been managing with the, the way the season has progressed for the Thunderbirds, you know? I mean, it's like I mean, it's like it's been good. Like we we knew that we were gonna be a, like a pretty good you know a team coming like right off the like, you know like right off the hop, and we've definitely it's it's like we've made a few changes here or there. Definitely you know adding some adding some some heavy firepower, um, adding you know Jan Salak and uh, Peter Panacek coming down from from Pensacola. They've definitely been a huge uh, you know huge pickups for us. Um, and you know, just just picking up some guys. I mean, it's you know obviously the season has its, has its ups and downs and. Um, we're, you know, I think, you know, the, I th- we're, we're on a six-game win streak right now, so, you know, hopefully we can kind of just, you know, keep that going, keep the momentum, and um, just keep playing together um, is, is definitely a big one. I think, you know, if we can, 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 you know, continue to play, you know, play our game and play with each other, I think that we'll, like, we'll be a force to reckon with, like, you know, within the league. Yeah. So. And you did, uh, you did steal a victory from the hat tricks on Friday night, and, uh, you will know the result of what happens on Saturday night by the time this airs, but uh, <laughs> uh, it's, I saw Daniel Amesbury today. That's all I can say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, Bryce, thanks so much for coming yeah, on. Thank no, thanks like, so much for having me. I really appreciate it. You've been a great guest. You're probably our guest, uh, you know, first former yeah. kind of player, former Danbury player to come in here uh, and do an interview with us. So it was great having you, and I wish you luck the best of the way. No, thank you so much, guys. really appreciate it. Of course. This is Danbury Hockey Superfan, Postal Joe Trench. You're listening to Hattrick City Radio on WXCI 91.7 Danbury. Hattricks, baby. Woohoo! Hey, when's Johnny coming on? When Johnny's gonna be on? Like, really? But when's Johnny coming on? Because you've waited long enough. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Hattrick City. I'm your host, DJ Patty Cake, joined by my lovely co host, as always, DJ Uncle Matt. Today we have someone in the studio that we have been trying to get for so, so long that the the wait is oh so worth it. He's your captain, the one and only Johnny Ruiz. Johnny, how are we doing today? Good, good. Thanks for having me. It's about time, huh? <laughs> the anticipation <laughs> has just been through the roof to get uh, Johnny Ruiz on the show. And here he is. Yeah, I, I did it. I got here. So. <laughs> it's really just amazing. John... Um, you really need no introduction. You're the captain of the team. You're, you know, MVP of the team. 
uh, at times over the last few years, one of the leading scorers in the league. Um, take us through the season you've been having so far. You know, we've been, I think everybody's been enjoying watching that. And maybe you could tell us what it's been like behind the scenes among the guys and, and from your perspective. I mean, it's, it's been great, and it's, our record shows it. Um, it feels like our first year here. That team was so close, and everyone got along, and it was just amazing to be around the boys and in that locker room and translate it onto the ice, and that's how we're going this year. It feels like that same atmosphere, maybe even a little better. So, I mean, it's been good. A um, couple, you know, hiccups as it should be, like, throughout seasons, but, you know, we're bouncing back. Like, last this past weekend, we drop a game, come back, win a big game, you know. So we're uh, – we have a lot of heart in this this locker room. So, times we got to be gritty. We got to be gritty, and we're figuring out ways to win still. I think one of the things that stands out to me about your story is um, that first professional season you had in 1920, the year that ended with COVID kind of wiping out sports, uh, you know, all over the world. Um, it was such a long road for you to get back to actually playing at Danbury Arena in a hat trick jersey because, you know, you uh, the season ended right around March 10th or 11th or something like that. Then you came back to Danbury and you were among a group of guys, the Leonard brothers, a few other people, I think Gordy was here maybe, all preparing to possibly play, uh, but Connecticut's COVID restrictions prohibited uh, the hat tricks really from resuming in the... 2020-21 season which was kind of a kind of a crazy barnstorming season for the league you played with Elmira that year and then you really didn't get back on the ice uh, for the hat tricks until the fall of of 2021 could you take us through what was happening in your mind and your life in in that time kind of that you were away you know not just at first from the hat tricks but then you know you, you're you're in Elmira and then you're preparing to play and you can't. Take us through it, like, from your perspective. Well, I mean, the heartbreak was the, the when COVID shut us down because that team was was boogieing and, you know, we were the first-place team in the league. So we always talked about last year about unfinished business, and that's what it felt like. So trying to resume play that following fall, you know, we had a start date. Start date would come, and then they'd push it back. Another start date, new start date, push back. So finally we got up here. Like you said, with the Leonard brothers, Gordy Shinkarik, who unbelievable player, you know, Great teammate, player. and uh, we always joke about that was the best team that never was because we were here putting in the work for two months, like we were really solid, and then came down to we couldn't play, so a lot of us were getting our bags packed, already head home, and then uh, you know we got reached out by Elmira, Port, Carolina, Columbus, so a handful of us went and played, which you know, it's weird putting on a different jersey. Um, it felt different. The, that team, that organization, you know, Robbie Nichols and them, they brought us in with open arms, which was awesome. So that transition wasn't too bad. And then we play in that that half a season, whatever, that couple months we played and ended up going to the finals for Elmira, losing. So that was another, like, kick in the nuts, really. You don't get to finish your season before with, a, you know, your Danbury family, and then you go there, get a new family, lose again. Mm -hmm. it, it sucks. So... That was a struggle. Um, at the end of that season, I had that last really bad concussion. I got blindsided, and I guess I started season on the ice. So that happened in April. I didn't stop having concussion symptoms till like, August. So that whole summer, I wasn't even sure I was going to play again because that was, like, my eighth one. Tried to, you know, 
feel it out once my all the symptoms went away headaches went away i'm like all right i want to do this i want to i want to ring i want to win i want to win in danbury so you know we got that david kaiser last year as a coach he lives you know seven minutes from me back home so i built that relationship with him i knew billy was still around obviously that's a big turning point for a lot of us is you know billy's our guy so he's still controlling he's that gm which is great um so that i mean that was my whole process really like not sure if i was going to play wanting to play symptoms go away ready to go now wanted to win last year you know we had a good year could have been better didn't finish the way we wanted so after that season ended i think we had that chat and not sure what you know future holds but i want to ring i want it bad so this is the time to do it you know go out on top that's what we want to do i don't think um i think that uh since that 2019 2020 season there probably been a lot of new fans pat himself was kind of a new face that wasn't around that year but something i wanted to address with you because i think that there's really like only like a couple of dozen when i say a couple of dozen i mean probably a couple hundred people who know at the point when they stopped that 2020 portion of the season Beside that, the fact that the team was doing great, if you really remember, those were the we only really started to see packed houses February and March. People didn't know it was back, like yeah. back, back. Yeah. There were good crowds earlier in the season, don't get me wrong. People came out to support, but it wasn't stretched across from one end of the arena to the other until that point mm-hmm. of the year. And I think that that was a crushing blow um, just because... I think we all saw how much it took to get back to that level of attendance, get back to that level of engagement with the fans. So I remember just being really bummed about that because it seemed like we were heading for some type of parade or something (laughs) uh, that that season. John, you you talked a little bit about Billy and Dave. Can you compare a little bit of of their coaching styles and what what you know what's clicking now? Uh, I mean, they're both great hockey minds. Um, Dave's more of a quieter type where Billy's, you know, in your face, nitty gritty, which is fine. When Dave gets going, Dave would get going. And that's, that's good to have on your, your back end being your, you know, he's steering the ship. So Billy in itself, I mean, Billy, there's a big reason I signed back right away after my rookie year. It's like, I loved playing for him. Um, I've had a handful of coaches throughout the years that really like meant something to me and, you know, caught me in my college coach is one of them. And then uh, Billy's, probably the best coach I've ever played for so having him back steering the ship is huge for us huge for the city and the organization but in Danbury you've always been a little bit over a point per game player uh last year quite a bit over a point per game and what I want to ask you is and some of the fans are probably always curious what's it been like for you in terms of getting called up or receiving opportunities perhaps to go overseas I don't know if that's come your way what how How's that? How have you managed that portion of the professional career? I mean, started out in training camp with Cincinnati in the ECHL. Um, personally, I thought I had no business being there. Man, they had all D1 guys. You had some draft picks, and it's just I was out of my element. But I'm glad I did it because you know you got to get out of your comfort zone to grow. So, then I was my first taste at pro. Um, so from there, I you know got released and uh, went to Fayetteville. So I signed Fayetteville also. Came in, they were like, you know, we have a lot of centers, you might not play center. I said, all right, like, whatever you want, I'll do. Just need to, you know, show me the X's and O's. I haven't played wing in a long time. Um, training camp, I thought, went really good. 
exhibition came around. I'm second line center, so I was a little thrown off by that. Uh, we ended up winning the game, I think, 2-1. I was plus two, had the game winner, and I was the only guy to get gassed right after. Wow. And they called me in. Like, he had, like, a skate with the fans, and they were doing, like, this uh, training camp. Second half of training camp was going to be, like, a retreat. They go to a camp and, you know, team building, stuff like that. So we were leaving right from the rink to do that. So I, you know, got there. We had a public skate with the fans. All of a sudden, the equipment manager calls me over and says, hey, coach wants to talk to you. Mm-hmm. I'm like, ah, shit, you know, here we go. I thought I played really well. So talked to them. They're like, you know, you're a really good person, you know, good player. You're just too slow for wing, and we have too many centers. So that's fair. You know, if I'm not a puzzle piece, I'm not a puzzle piece. I'm not going to, you know put on a sour face or anything like that. So, you know, I said thank you for my time. They offered me to send me to uh, Carolina. And I'm like, I don't even know if I want to play it right now. Like mental mental grind, body grind, last month and a half with training camps here and there. And then Do you mean the Thunderbirds? Yeah. Okay. So their coach at the time, Andre, reached out to me and I said, you know, thank you. I think I'm going to go home, like clear my head for a bit. And that's when – Nick Levesque, who I'm really good friends with for, through ball hockey, through deck, stuff like that, is uh, he reached out to me and says we need center. So I was like, this was like second week of their training camp the first year. And I was in like, 2019. Honest, yeah, I was like, honestly, dude, like, I appreciate the offer. I don't know if I want to do this. And then I packed all my stuff up in my stall in my garage and I just kept walking past it. And then there was a point where I'm just sitting in the garage staring at my gear. So I talked to my parents. I'm like, I want to do this. So I called them. Boom, came right. That's where I started with Danbury. So. Wow. Leading into like doing that and call ups, I think it was Christmas time that first year. I got called up to Knoxville, so I was in Jersey because we had the Christmas Eve and Christmas Day kind of off. Travel back on Christmas Day, and I got a call from Knoxville saying they needed forwards for the weekend. So I talked to Billy, and I was a little hesitant going. Like I loved what we have going. I think we were during that 11 game win streak at the time. Yes. So it's like, man, I I don't know if I want to do this. And talked with Billy, talked with Nikki, and some of the other guys and they're like you got to do it because you'll regret not doing it so all right i drove up i was with tommy mcguckin at the time because tommy lived one town over from me so i drove him up back to danbury dropped him off grabbed my gear drove all the way christmas day down to knoxville they had a first game against huntsville at home and then we were on the road the next day at fayetteville and then back home and i think like through those three games i had like nine shifts total so like i wasn't playing there was times where i'd have a shift and that i wouldn't play until like the third period two minutes left and it's hard to stay engaged in a game and i'm not used to doing that so that's probably like that was a good thing for me to happen so like i can feel that i know what some guys are going through and it's a mental it could help me you know become stronger of a person and a captain probably too yeah i mean i've been captains many times i don't think really that teaches you how to i always said you don't be taught to be a leader you know you're born with it um but yeah it did help me for sure and then um so at that time i got down there Christmas Day. Great town to play in, right? What, like, Knoxville? Knoxville? Oh, it was unbelievable. Unbelievable. The three life. days, the fans, they were awesome. <laughs> they greeted me with open arms. It was awesome to see. But <clears throat> I, I got down there, I think it was on Christmas Day, that next morning my uncle died. Oh. So, I mean, he was 92, 93. Like, he was up there. So, like, we knew it was coming soon. So I played those three games, well, somewhat played. And then I called in the captains. I like, went to the captains of Knoxville. I said, hey, like, I don't know what car is going to do if he's going to keep me or what if he does i'm here 100 percent. i'm fully engaged like i'm ready to go i said if he doesn't which i kind of have a feeling you know yeah. i kind of want to know now before you guys go on a road trip or anything and because my family's going out to pittsburgh for the, the the funeral stuff like that i would like to be with my family coach called me in was like you know you didn't show us much yeah 
He goes, you, you, you didn't hit anyone. You didn't try fighting anyone. I'm like thinking to myself, like, well, you got to play me to for me to show you what I can do. Right. If you're asking me to fight someone, I've had two career fights. Like, I'm not a fighter. If I have to, I will for sure. But that's not my game. So no. I was kind of thrown off by that. And then that's when I left. And then Peoria claimed me off waivers. Like, really? So the next day I'm at the funeral, I get a call from them. Did you have your hockey bag with you and stuff? Yeah, or? I had everything with me. And I was in Pittsburgh, and I'm thinking to myself, man, I don't want to just be a suitcase. I don't want to just drive around and then, you know, play a couple shifts and then get cut and then drive back around somewhere. So I was like, no disrespect. Like, I've seen the game. I want to work on my game more before another SP opportunity. And their coach was real cool. was respectful about it. Like, all right, well, whenever you're ready, you know, if you want to try, reach out. And then, you know, if we have an opening, I'm like, that's cool. I called Billy right away. I'm like, I'm coming home. Like, I want to be back in Danbury. He was like, right. absolutely. So I drove back from Pittsburgh back to Danbury, got on a bus the next morning, went out to Bloomington. That's when we played Carolina for Bloomington. So having that taste of what it's like being having call-ups and stuff like that, like I thought to myself, if I want to try and play at the next level, I want to win a spot through training camp. I think that's probably the best way to do it because you never know what call-ups, you know. You might be there for a weekend. You might be there the rest of the season. So I've had opportunities for sure, but – I just don't see the point in it right now. You know what I mean? I mean, end of your career, you want to play at home. This is my home. Yeah. So. And it just it just strikes me kind of funny that the guy would want you to hit or fight. I mean, you had forty the couple of seasons before that, you had forty five points and twenty seven college games. I mean, you're obviously there to make plays happen and and to be on the offensive side of things. So. I think that that's just something that happens in hockey. Like they, they you go up a level and they and they move you out of your role. And uh, I, I, I think it becomes, it's probably an easy decision to go back to Danbury, but it's a lot of negotiating in between. Absolutely, you will always as a hockey player, you want to play at the highest level as possible. Yeah. So, yeah, you're gonna have to change your role up. I just wish like I was told, all right, we want you to do this, so then I'm gonna do that to a T. I'm gonna do exactly what you want from me. When I got to to Elmira I went right up to the coach I'm like hey what do you want what is your expectations for me because I'm gonna do exactly what you want and he told me he's like I need you to be a two-way center you know fill that net in if you can but I need you to prevent him so be the two-way center you can be and I really focused on my D zone that half a season and I think I that year I might have had the best plus minus in in the fed was Ahmed Mafuz the coach yeah 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 wow Uh, so I mean it worked out I asked they told me exactly what they wanted from me, and I went out and I did it, which was I'd rather that. And obviously, you're going to always have to adjust. You're going to have to change roles. And the cheat code is asking and, and you know, wanting to know ahead of time, but you got to adapt either way. So that's kind of on me for not adapting to that situation in, down in Knoxville. But, you know, it is what it is. It's a learning experience. Tell us a little bit about kind of your backstory, John. Like where, you know, where does it start for you in hockey terms? Where did you get into the game, and like, when did you start taking it kind of to a to an organized level? Well, I mean, I played street hockey my whole life. Um, I'm the youngest in my family. I have an older brother, six years older than me. So whatever he did, I wanted to do. Got better at everything though. He, he, won't, <laughs> he won't. He won't admit that, but I did. Um, All so the same he, sports, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He played soccer. I played soccer. My mom thinks he was better, but she doesn't know what she's talking about. <laughs> Baseball. We both phenomenal in the field both couldn't hit but he started playing golf I played golf now I'm way better than him so it's like I'm that little brother just learning from the big brother so whatever he did I wanted to do so he played street hockey I played street hockey he started playing ice when I think it was his like eighth grade year middle school so that's I started the next year so his ninth grade I would have been like third grade and I started playing ice just normal in-house and then moved to youth travel played that until I was 18 and then I went and played juniors 
Wow. So take us through, like, the junior experience. For some people who don't know, maybe you have fans that come to the games or kids are interested in it. How do you kind of get onto a junior team? Like, is, is, the, is it the Little Flyers? No, it was the Junior Flyers. So in Philly, there's Little Flyers out of Ice Line or out of Iceworks in Aston, PA, and then Westchester Ice Line is the Junior Flyers. So, like, I didn't really know much about juniors. Is all. it same level? Same level. Yeah. It's Tier 3. Mm-hmm. So they were in the same league. When I first started playing juniors, it was 2012, 2013, and it was the AJ, so it was Atlantic Junior Hockey League. And then that next year, they combined the EJ and the AJ, and they end up being the EHL. So All my right. last two years was in the EHL. Um, similar to the NA3, like what we have the team here. Um, I've been told it was a little better level than that, but, you know, it's not an NA team. It's not the USHL or O or anything like that. But it was it, – it's a fun experience. It's what your stepping stone to get to – college hockey you know there's not many kids unless you're you know probably going get drafted in the nhl that are going to go right from high school to college so a lot of these colleges have 21 year old freshmen who come in they age out of juniors and then go and play so that's what i did that was my main thing and uh, i had a bit of a bumpy road health wise throughout my career so my high school i think i was 17 i had a virus in my heart and i collapsed during the game Really? So that was the first, like, one, minus all the, you know, I had concussions leading up to that. And then I think it was my second year of juniors, I was 19, I had a stroke. I had three mini-strokes. So that was, you know, another hiccup in the road. And then my last year of juniors is when I fractured my back. I got hit from behind and lost all feeling for, like, six hours. So it was a, a struggle for me health-wise to try to get to where I am. Um, and especially last year of juniors, I think I was leading the league in points did all that right before Christmas when I get hit. So luckily, you know, it wasn't too bad where I came back like a month and a half, finished out the year, able to commit and play college hockey. And then, you know, from there it goes on to next level. So I was up at Sacred Heart University um, on Monday and I got the chance to take a look at their new facility. Yeah, I saw pictures. It's pretty wild. They have a brand new rink on campus and it it does look like it's going to be a fun place to go watch hockey. Side note, I... I don't really get too down with college hockey because uh, most of the arenas you can't drink beer in your seat, yeah. and and um, you know it's 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 a different game, <laughs> kind of physically. You know what I mean? Yeah. So one thing I wanted to ask you was it's you made a couple you made a move during college, um, went to two different schools, but what was that process like for you? Because there's really only so many Division three NCAA Division three college hockey schools what was the process for you did you look at schools did you look around PA yeah I mean through the junior process you're always you know there's showcases and stuff like that um I ended up I was supposed to go to Utica College um great talk, program yeah talked to the coach coach was really high on was me was that Gary Heenan Gary Heenan yeah. yeah nails absolute nails just great, just great you guy. know watching him when I took my visit watching him when they would come down to play Newman just electric. Like, oh. I wanted to play for him so bad, and uh, they had it came a... down to money issue. I couldn't get in because I like couldn't afford it. Yeah, and uh, he told me, "All right, shop around. We're gonna try and match it." Lowest thing, and Jay Wu Johnson Wales gave me a pretty sweet deal. And wow. uh, you know that coach was after me for a while, and two of my buddies I played my first year juniors with were roommates there and played there together. So that was kind of in for me, and uh, so I was like, "Yeah, it's an easy decision when it comes down to it." You know, I, you know, cheaper. To go to a private school you know that helps um 
I'm in with two guys that I play juniors with so they can, you know, help me, you know, make that leap from junior hockey to college hockey. And uh, I think I had a decent rookie year, like my freshman year there. Um, I played on their line, so I got the center, two of my good friends. I'm still good friends with them to this day, which is awesome. Yeah, about uh, 19 points in 26 games, looks yeah, like. Something like that, but it was it was good. I, I think I was part of the all-rookie team, which is all-freshman team, or I say rookie, like pro. Wow. But, um, yeah, it was a good thing. And then that following year, our head coach left. So the, he left and went to UMass Dartmouth. And it kind of sucked, like the guy who recruited you, you know, is now gone. So now you got to prove yourself again. New so a new coach co- came in. Um, I ended up getting named captain, one of the captains on the my sophomore year for the team. They had two seniors who, because the new coach that came in, he was like, I don't believe in sophomore captains. And I'm like, well, we just had a captain who graduated, was had the C's in sophomore year. I'm like, well, all right, let her or not, I'm not going to change who I am. I'm going to do my thing to a T, exactly what you want from me. That's what you're going to get, like. So he's like, I'm gonna groom you into having that C the following for your junior and senior year. So I'm like, dude, all right, like you're not, you don't groom people for that, but whatever. And then started off good the year. We started off year good. I think I personally, I you know, I think two goals in that first game, an assist. And then after that, I just limit like playing time started limited. And I'm like, man, did I do something wrong? I tried asking, wouldn't really tell me. He was just like an awkward guy. And uh, by the time it got to Thanksgiving, we're playing against UMass Dartmouth, and their backup goalie was my roommate, and I played three years of juniors with. So he was texting me all through once my original coach went there, like, oh, transfer here, transfer here. I'm like, dude, I, don't, I can't do that. Like, go changing schools, it's a big thing. Like, you're talking about your education now, you're talking about your hockey, all that. So I'm like, nah, I'm, thank you, but no thank you. So we're playing them in, I think it was a stovepipe tournament after Thanksgiving. We played them in the championship, and I had three shifts. So I'm sitting there on the bench, like, watching. I'm looking at this team. I'm like, that's my old coach. Like, I can fit in on that roster. So I'm like, all right. Funny story. I mean, I was illegal, but handshake line. He shook my hand. He was like, get a self-release, and then we'll talk. I said, okay, because he can't talk to me directly. So I'm, like, talking to my buddy who's a backup goalie. He's like, no, he's serious. Like, if you want to do it, do it. And this coach at JWU at the time, like, finally started talking to me and was like, listen, you're, you're too selfish for the PK. You're not skilled enough for the power play. You're not a center. Like, you're a problem. You're being a problem for the locker room. And that, I've never, never had that, you know, be said to me before. He goes, the upperclassmen are coming into my office and complaining about you. So what I did, you know, I'm one of the captains of the team. They're having captain's meetings without me. I, I go to each upperclassman and say, hey, man, if I've been a distraction, I apologize. I don't mean to be. I'm kind of battling something right now. Every single one of them were like, dude, what are you talking about? So I'm like, man, this coach must really hate me. So then pulls me into his office, starts ripping me on film. And I'm like, all right, like I'd, I'd rather you yell at me than not tell me what I'm doing wrong so I could fix it. And uh, then he was like, and you're still talking, you're still talking. I see you talking to all the upperclassmen, like you're just being a problem. I'm like, no, I'm apologizing to them if I've been a, you know, a distraction or an issue. And then it came to the point where like, I talked to my parents. I'm like, I don't want to, like I hate hockey right now. I dreaded going to sleep because I didn't want to wake up and go to the rink. This guy just like threw hockey like, for me that was my hockey's your escape from the real world from school all that hockey's your escape and it was uh it was tough and I, I went in I talked to my parents I'm like I think I'm gonna do the self-release and I'm gonna try to transfer so I go into the office I say we were doing like a Christmas skate right before Christmas like before break and I say to him I say hey like you, you know you tell me I'm a distraction I love these guys to death to be a distraction for them so I think it's best if I don't return 
second half of the season, all the guy said was, you can't practice with us today. I just laughed. I'm like, my bags are already packed. Like, thank you. You know, best of luck. He wouldn't even shake my hand. So I'm like, all right, it is what it is. Transferred next year. I transferred and finished out the year at UMass Dartmouth. So I'm back with my coach. Like, did you play right away? Is that you D3, can transfer you can transfer and play in the right middle away. of the semester. Yep, you can play right away. It's like one of those rules. D1, like you have to like I think take out. a year off or something like no, that. No, I, like, th I, I, I don't think you can play second semester. You can play the next year. Yeah, okay. Used to be like, yeah. The, well, the, yeah, I did that. I came in. I was second line center. I was on the power play, penalty kill, and did well. We ended up losing, I think, quarterfinals that year. But then the next year, um, we went to the conference finals, and that was my All-American year. So that coach told me I was too selfish for the PK, was like second in the nation in PK goals. Told me I was not good enough for the power play, led the nation in power play goals, led the nation in goals per game, and was an All-American. So it was like a good like FU to that guy. Like, And I think he ended up getting fired that next next year, my senior year, he ended up getting fired for his record was like... Was Johnson and Wales and, and UMass Dartmouth in the same conference? No, they weren't. At, See, th the that's time. probably how you're able to play. Is, uh, I think you could still, in different co uh, conferences, I think you could still... I don't think you can transfer no. in conference. No. Maybe that's why I was able to right away. Yeah, I think I think that's why. But it was, it was, like, that was my story with that, like... But it was, like, that next year, I'm like, all right, everything someone told me I can't do, I'm going to prove them wrong. So that's helped me have that, you know, very good year and... Obviously, the team we had was unbelievable. Like, when he knocked off the number one seed in the semis to go to the finals, and it was, like, absolutely electric. So that team, you know, we had a, guys on that team that ended up playing in the coast at the end of the season. Wow. And having that coach, I describe him just like Billy, man. It's a guy you want to play for. That's your junior year you're talking about? My junior year of college, yeah. yeah. So then, like, Eric Nowak is the coach, and I still talk with him almost, you know, every other month. He's a, he's a guy you want to play for, just like Billy. Like, Billy... Billy's Is he still at, there? He's still there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he uh, he was awesome. Like at J, when we were at JWU, he would l do the lifts with us, and you see your head coach there bagging himself on you know the elliptical or bagging himself with the weights. But when he would bag us, bag skate us on the ice, he would do it right there with us. So I'm not for me. That's a guy I want to play for. He's gonna put you know his heart, his energy, everything on the line. I'm gonna do the same for him, and that's just like Billy. So it was cool going from one coach who's like that to a coach who's you know similar. Different, yeah. little, different in ways, but absolutely similar. So that was a big, you know, thing for me, especially coming to Danbury and then re-signing. At, you know, at the time that you finished college, the next season, take us through your senior year, you know, like what what was on your mind and, you know. Well, I mean, I wanted to, like a, like I am now, I wanted, I wanted to win a ring, you know. Everyone wants that. And we were close the year before, lost to Fitchburg State in the finals. So I didn't have as good a personal year. Um, I was battling migraine issues and head stuff from, you know, being hit. No excuse, but, like, I didn't have the performance I did the year before, but our team was really good. Butler, Park Butler was one of our goalies. Wow. So um, I think we ended up losing late in the game in the quarterfinals, and that's what ended my my college career, which sucked, but I wanted to play, keep playing. So Nowak was, you know, good with the process of getting guys to the next level and playing uh, pro, so I was in the right spot. I got called by Worcester to play in the coast for a weekend, but it was during our spring break. So <laughs> I was home in Jersey. So they called me like on a Friday and I was actually at like ball hockey practice and my sister comes running over like, where's your phone? I'm like, it's in the car at my practice. And I don't look at my phone when I'm in practice. She was like, they're, they're calling you, they're calling you. So I'm like, oh crap. So I called them and they're like, you ready to start your pro career? I'm like, absolutely. Like really, I wasn't. I just got done my season. I had a broken finger, three <laughs> ribs out. I'm like, I don't care, I'm gonna do it anyway. 
So I got on the turnpike. I drive. I'm, I'm exit three on Jersey Turnpike. I got to like exit six, and the equipment manager called me like, "Hey, what's your ETA?" I told him like, five thirty six ish, like driving through traffic on a Friday, like through New York, through all mm-hmm. that. He was like, "That's not how this works, kid." I'm like, "I understand." Like I didn't get the call till later. He's like, "We thought you were in Massachusetts." I'm like, "No, nah, I'm home on spring break." So then I ended up not playing. Oh, and then no. I, didn't, I didn't hear from any SB teams that year. The rest of that year, so I just finished out school, went home, and. Started training, so well, I could sucks. get an opportunity. Yeah, uh, that's not cool. That, yeah. that was my goal, like, coming out of college. I wanted to play in the coast, so I want to try to play a full season. And just the way she goes sometimes and didn't get there. So that was a personal goal that I didn't reach, which sucks, but it is what it is. One thing we've talked about on this show before, and I was kind of reminded of it again this week, going up to Sacred Heart, and, and, and Saturday I'll, I'll be going up to UConn. Um, uh, you know, there's less Division One programs than there are D3. Mm-hmm. And I, I wanted to ask somebody who performs so well at the D3 level, like, like, do you think that there could be many, like, if D1 were to add 10 teams, I mean, this would probably mean a lot of these D3 guys would go up to D1, no? Um, uh, possibly. I mean, you see also a lot of kids take the, the major junior route where now they can't play college. And, you know, those are like a lot of the kids are going to get drafted and stuff like that or go right to pro. So, I mean, adding teams, you know, it could go either way. It could get watered down. It can, you know, definitely give guys, high-end D3 guys, an opportunity to play at the Division One level. Like, for me, I personally probably couldn't have played at the Division One level. I just, you know, if I did, I would have been like a fourth-line guy, <laughs> which is fine, you know, it's a thing. But also, I couldn't pass clearinghouse. Right. I didn't have the best grades in uh, in high school, and I never took, like, an SAT or ACT. So really? yeah, I got wow. lucky with getting into college to begin with, let alone wow. <laughs> trying to go Division One. which Different world I knew, like, a lot of junior players don't, like, their dream is Division One, Division One, And, like, it doesn't happen until the end of the season where they realize, oh, crap, that's, a, you know, that's out of reach. It's probably not going to happen. Yeah, so, like, I right away, like, our junior coach would have us fill out, like, 10 Division One teams, 20 Division Three schools, like, you want to try and, you know, get in contact with and, like, that. I don't. I didn't put any Division One teams down. Wow. You know what I mean? He was like, oh, you need to. I was like, no, I don't. Like, I understand how this works, and I'm not going to try and chase a fairy tale, which Division Three hockey, NCAA is good. It's good hockey and gets you places. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Look how many guys you play in either the Fed or the SP or Division Three guys. A lot. You know what I mean? So it is what it is. I think getting more teams would probably it would help out some kids who you know, get that opportunity to – go and play scholarships too, yeah, yeah scholarships and get a free education or you know pay a little less for their education interesting so what do you think about you know the the last couple of games you guys had you had the you know friday and saturday night were kind of two different stories T- take us through them well i mean friday was just we didn't play danbury hockey you know we weren't getting pucks deep we weren't throwing the body around i think we played really soft and we hung, you know, Willie out to dry a few times, which wasn't good. You can't, you know, that can't be the case. We have the best goal in the league. We can't make it worse for him, you know. Um, so, I mean, we regrouped pretty good, you know. Changed the lineup a tiny bit around and then talked to some guys, and they really performed. And I'm my three years here, that was the loudest I've ever heard this building. Saturday night. Saturday night. It was unbelievable. It was like those are the games – like. Yeah, people like the point night games where you're blowing teams out, maybe scoring a couple goals, getting a couple apples. But, like, those are the games. That's why we play the game. 
those games are unbelievable to play with. And then having the fans back you up like that. It was late in the game, and I think Frankie made three or four big saves, and then you had Jared Yow blocking two, three shots, and it was just all like chaos in front, and we got out of it, and then, then boom, Gesso goes and scores. Place went nuts. And like I, I'm getting goosebumps right now talking about it. And those yeah. are the games that you want to be a part of. And I thought I was real proud of how we handled ourselves because we could have definitely – you know, imploded after that first game and then come out and, you know, basically shit the bed the next game. And we didn't, which was great. It shows, like, the, the hunger we have for, you know, playing the right way. And I think that's a good step for us going into this weekend, coming down to Mississippi to try to build off that and take it into the following week back home. You never want to take an L, but something that some of the fans said or kind of some – reactions to it was maybe it was good you know oh absolutely brownie brownie was the first one to say that in the locker room he's like guys stuff like this happens and it happens for a reason it's better it happens now than yeah. later on the road in playoffs yeah. or whatever like that so like better it happens on january 6th exactly right? you know, yeah exactly. Then, so then on, it's a big know. learning learning thing for us which is good just yeah. like losing that first game when we lost in overtime in carolina like that was the first time we lost and then losing to watertown in watertown suck too like you don't want to especially with how they won it last year you want to you know go in there and you know get that w but the columbus one we played good for five periods no i'm sorry we played the first two periods down there when we won a shootout because we were up three nothing they kind of took it to us in the third and overtime then we won the shootout and then they dominated us the next game yeah so that's four periods of where we didn't play our hockey and then it showed on the win column you know Saturday night, just a whole, whole different story, you know. And, we, and we've been struggling. That Billy said that in in Delaware, you know. He was like, "Listen, got the first win. Now it's game two. Thinking about like playoffs, and that's something we struggled with. So it was big going down to Delaware and getting those two wins, winning that second game on the road. Which obviously bodies are banged up and you're tired, but you got to find that extra, you know, gear to get going and try to get another win. Can you describe any of the? I mean, without going too crazy, like. That was a lot of games against Delaware you had right there in a row. And does the tension build up? Like, even just little things, does does every little stick check seem like it's personal, you know, at that point? Uh, absolutely. You're going to always run into that. Um, I feel like you can play a team twice, and it's going to be the same thing night two. So playing them five times in a week, it's definitely going to build up. Um, I thought we handled it pretty well. Like, there was not much, you know, craziness or chaos. There was some, but I think – playing a team that many times in such a short period of time, it could have been way worse. And I felt like we handled it the right way, which was good. What do you – What? Are the, I mean, we, I guess we've been on the bus together before, but, like, a bunch of times people were sleeping, and then you didn't come to Watertown uh, for that, like, great game at the end of last year. Yeah, yeah. It was unbelievable. Um, what do you do on the bus, John? Me? I uh, – I sleep. usually I sleep for the most part. I try to. It's always hard getting comfortable on the bus. Um, every once in a while, I'll go look at like, depending on who we play, I go look at you know their last game or like the last time we played them. Try to watch some of that, um, or I'll just watch movies. <laughs> try to yeah. turn off the brain from hockey, and you know, sometimes the best is, way to escape hockey is not think about it and just that's going to prepare me for the next game. Now I'm all right. Now I'm switches on hockey time and if I overthink about hockey sometimes you just need a break I mean I remember a couple times in college I just instead of going out with the boys and hanging out or like going to watch hockey because we would watch the Pete Bruins play all the time 
Like, I'm just going to go home, escape the hockey for a little bit. So watching movies on the bus kind of helps me with that. I um, Speaking about hanging out with the fellas, you know, just in my own personal observation, I know there were some part-time players last season, some guys that had other jobs, some guys that were married, whatever whatever the case was. But it does really look, even just on social media, that you guys are together more. And I hear there's a $5 movie night somewhere around town. Yeah, yeah. So our big thing, like I was uh, missed out on the podcast opportunity earlier because we all go to Zen. We go to do hibachi on Mondays. So there's usually a big group. Sometimes we have like three three stoves going, like three sides of the tables and, you know, multiple chefs. So like we are closer. Um, not having to like all like those guys who were part-time guys last year were great, but it just sucked because they weren't at practice every day. We couldn't, you know, work on stuff that we needed. And then we go on the road and it'd be a completely different roster. So it kind of sucked for guys who were like thrown to the wolves on road trips and then come back and now they're scratched or, you know, only having two centers on the road. That Remember that trip last year where we had five games in seven days and started off with going to Watertown and having three different buses because our bus kept breaking down and then puck don't drop till 1130. That was brutal. So Jeez. we had two centers that game. I think it was me and Gordy. So me and Gordy got split up and we both had a run center and it was just exhausting. It was terrible. So not having those bodies consistently sucked. So this year it's, you know, way better. It's I mean, hard we do, to think we do miss those guys for sure, but having full roster home and away is, is awesome. And I mean, to go back on, you know, going to Zen and the movies, <laughs> I know you have like a weekly, you have a tradition that you do something every day of the week. Yeah. Um, every day? Like, Pretty much. How did that start? <laughs> Like, did no, you do I that mean, in college or did you? No, no, really. Like, we would go to Zen and do hibachi like once every couple weeks. And then it turned out, to, man, this is good. This is good. <laughs> <laughs> so then, like, no other plug. guys started going in, other guys started coming, and now we just have, like, a, it's our routine. Like, we just do it. Like, it's good so meals. So it's, it's that, the movies, there's sushi. There's sushi sometimes. Um, we used to do bowling. We haven't done bowling this year yet. Oh, oh. But usually we would add bowling bowling to that. There's like a mini putt place down uh, near the hotel we would do. Yeah, I mean, my my biggest thing is keeping the boys around each other and together and building that family you know atmosphere. With pros, it does suck because a guy could get traded the next day or released or something like that. But, mm. you know, the whole core and having the team together is just, it helps in the long run. It helps on the ice. So that's why we do it. And then just to add to that, you know, being a captain, growing up like, were you a leader growing up? Like, did you see that from your brother? Because I know you took in your brother's footsteps a lot. Did, was that one thing that you got from him, or is that something you developed um, completely uh, on your own? Well, I, my brother has been captains of his teams. I mean, he uh, we had different styles. He was shorter than everyone. So he was like, all right, I'm going to run through this wall. Come on, guys, come with me, mm -hmm. you know? I've been more of like a vocal and try to set the standard and, and lead that way. Um, no, I, I truly do think you're born with, with that, you know? Everyone's a leader in their own way. It just depends if, you know, if you're given the opportunity to wear a letter, which there's been many teams where I've had a letter and it's not going to change who I am. shouldn't change anyone, honestly. But, no, I, I do think my, my, my dad coached me my whole life too, so learning from him, learning from my brother, I think definitely helped pave that, you know, as me as a leader for sure. I know, and then you've mentioned ball hockey a few times over the course of this, but over the summer you actually got to play for – Team USA's ball hockey team. How was that? It you was went uh, to Montreal, right? Yeah, we were we were Laval. Um, so that one, my first international Team USA. I was on the U20 team in 2012. So 
I think we won a bronze medal that year. It's every other year with men's and juniors. So 2013, mm. we went to Toronto with a team. Uh, I think we lost a gold medal game to Canada, got blown out. Following year, back to juniors, we went to Slovakia. We were in Bratislava. 2015, we were in Switzerland for the men's team. Lost a gold medal game to Slovakia in overtime. It wow. sucked, but they were really good. They won like four straight. To the 2016 was juniors, and I aged out, so I didn't, you know, I wasn't coaching or anything then. 2017, we went to Czech, we went to Portobice, lost to Greece, I think it was, in the quarters, so we didn't medal. And then 18 juniors, um, 19 COVID hit, so we didn't do it. No, 19, we went to Slovakia, I'm sorry. Went back to Slovakia, same thing. I think we lost to Canada in the quarters that time. Hmm. But then this time, you know, COVID hit, pushed back, so you got a year to develop. You got younger kids coming up, kind of pushed the older guys out. We did well. We uh, we won bronze. Um Played Canada first game. I think we lost 6-5. Uh, but that was the first time our whole team was together because training camp, you know, I'm playing ice. Some guys have work, and we're not all together. So it was a bit learning curve for that first, you know, couple games. I think we played Canada, lost 6-5, had a two-goal lead on Finland the next day, ended up blowing it, losing in a shootout. And then we turned things on and started started winning, you know, won the games we needed to. Played Czech in the semifinals, and uh, they were unbelievable. I thought they were harder to play against in Canada that first game. Wow. Like, they just dominated us from the start. Like, we fought the whole way. I think we lost, like, 6-2. And then the next day we played Greece in the uh, bronze medal game and, and right from the start took advantage and started scoring right away and took care of our special teams and ended up winning that game by a good bit. But we watched a Canada gold medal game against Czech, and the team we just played, that Czech team, did not look like the same team. So it just shows how, like, different days, you know, if we beat that Czech team somehow, it's hard to beat a team twice. And, you know, Canada that first game had four power play goals on us. Wow. So that could anything could have happened. But, no, ball hockey, I love ball hockey, man. I uh, started out playing street hockey, so that, you know, I've been doing that my whole life, something that's, you know, part of me, and I could do it for years to come. They got over 40 teams, over 50 teams, so hopefully I'm uh, still playing then. Coaching the U-20s next year, we're going to check. Uh -huh. So that'll be fun. My first like full coaching job, I'm assistant coach of the U-20s, which is good. We've got a solid team, too, great coaching staff. So hopefully uh can go over there and win a medal. And then the following year, we're back in Switzerland with the men's team. Are these other guys that you play with on the, the USA ball hockey team, do they have ice hockey or roller hockey background? S some of them have ice hockey background. Some of them roller hockey. Um, it's weird because you have a guy who can play ice hockey and unbelievable, and then he it can't translate to ball hockey or vice versa. Like obviously the skating thing's the biggest part. But right, right. you've seen guys who can do it both and, you know, adjust well and then there's guys who can't, but it's a lot of background with any type of hockey really. Roller, especially roller. A lot of roller guys play, you know, ball hockey now. Some ice guys are getting more involved and I know back in Jersey I think we got a couple of ice players that are now playing ball hockey. Carson Breer is one of them. Uh, Danny Breer's son. Yeah, yeah. And like I, he played against me last year, and just as from the first game to the last game of the season, like I'm like, he gets it. He figures it out, and he's like really good. So it's an ice hockey guy who can translate, which is cool. Cool to see. I'm always interested in this because um, humble brag. Many years ago, I wrote <laughs> a story about the state of inline hockey around ten, 2010 for the New York Times. And there were all these personalities playing the game. There was this kid, Etan Chavara. I don't know if you remember that kid. 
he was like sponsored by Reebok and Reebok was, but there was actually like no venue mm -hmm. where you could see these kids actually play. I mean, there was the America uh, inline hockey league and there There's was that Narch, that Narch thing they did Narch, out in Florida. Ha and all these things that existed. Do you think that there's like a way to box up this ball hockey thing with guys like you, it's like Johnny Ruiz, this minor league hockey player who doubles as his ball hockey player, and then you got a personality that's identifiable, like the son of an NHL player, like mm -hmm. Briere. Is there? You think there's a way to package this up and maybe put it on YouTube or television? Well, no, it's 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 about growing the game. We always that's a big thing we talk about with ball hockey is growing the game, growing the game. So like we've been on the NHL Network a few times because of it, um, so that helps. Uh, the NBHL National Ball Hockey League started, and that grew. It's it's huge now, and it's it's in its going into its third year as you know NHL or not NBHL, and um, so that helps too. Mm -hmm. You get that exposure that way. Um, more guys are playing. You got teams from California, Texas, all over Chicago, and that's uh, DC. Like it's growing, so that's that's huge. And then for the A circuit. There's four major tournaments. So there's one in start off the year in, in Pottstown for it's oh no, I'm sorry, Harrisburg. Harrisburg is the first one during Super Bowl bye weekend. You got that one. You got one in Pottstown in the end of March, the North American Championships. End of May, the club championships out in Pittsburgh. And then usually throughout the summer you have the world championships, whether it's the juniors or the men's and women's, masters, and then the end of the year right before so like I went and played in it right up during our training camp like boom I went and played and that's the, the outdoor classic up in Fitchburg Mass so you have all these and that's how you're getting exposure to get invites to the camps for the US teams and the national teams so I think having guys play ice hockey and do that as well is bringing it together and it's growing the game really that's cool I mean I'd love to see I think about this with a lot of sports sometimes I even think about indoor soccer and other things that don't have really great broadcast like if you could take this ball hockey and get the cameras in the guys faces during like uh, you know kind of like scuffles and stuff mm -hmm. like that and just get up close to the action you never know what could be what could be something fun to watch but I want to slant the conversation a little back towards the FPHL for a second yeah, go ahead. because you're getting to going down to Mississippi in a, in a couple of days you guys are flying down we're looking forward to you you know supporting you guys on on YouTube and whatnot but I want to talk to you specifically about something okay so you're from South Jersey we're seeing around this federal prospects hockey league it's something we talk about a lot on this show I brought it up on, on Facebook recently. You know, we're, we're seeing the FHL go into all these old ECHL, SPHL rinks. And more and more, um, you know, it's looking like South Jersey, Baltimore, you know, other places. But, like, your area, like, there's probably three rinks that this league could work in. Maybe Atlantic City, maybe Baltimore, maybe maybe um, Trenton. Yeah. Have I, you ever thought about like what? There's so many good guys coming from South Jersey. The, the, yourself, the Lazaros of the world, the Gallagher's guys. Yeah, Philly, right there too. It's 20 minutes away. So I mean, I always thought about it like both what Trenton and Atlantic City had teams at one point on, yeah. on the Fed. But so you have those arenas. You know, they put ice down there still. Atlantic City would be a good one. I think Trenton. You know, they have had it before, but it's hard bringing teams in that have the NHL team that close. So, like, South Jersey, there's no big stadium other than Atlantic City, a boardwalk hall. Yeah. You know, you got a little bit more central. You got Trenton. But I could see, like, a, a Maryland team come out of nowhere or something like that, which would be cool. 
mean, growing it is, is huge. So, what, we have 10 teams now, adding two more next year. So you're seeing that expand in, in those barns, which, I mean, I would have loved to play in Atlantic City. I could live at home, just drive right down Atlantic City. It's 40 minutes from me, so wow. that would be nice, you know? <laughs> but obviously, like, you'd like to play close to home. That's another big reason why I'm in Danbury. It's three hours from my home. My parents can come up. Family can come up and see me play as much as they can. I had... I think it was eight or nine of them that came up this past weekend so it was cool to see so playing home would be nice favorite place to play in the league when you're on the road as far as whether it's the building or the town you get to hang out in for 48 hours or whatever either binghamton or columbus columbus is always fun for after like it's warm down there the rink they get good fans it's always a battle <laughs> um, binghamton you know they battle with us too and that rank is unbelievable yeah so i mean i'm really excited to go down to mississippi and now play on that i've seen them have big crowds and you know kind of see the warm weather right up near the beach so it'd be kind of cool to play in a space like that it's like kind of playing at pensacola so what uh i'm excited about it but i think binghamton and columbus are the first two that come to mind with favorite rink to play in other than ours oh it's uh it's probably going to be you know so something different this weekend i mean What's your outlook on the weekend? Oh, we just got to do our jobs, really. We got to – can't take it lightly. We took that uh, game, first game in Elmira, kind of lightly. I know Gordy and myself weren't playing, which that shouldn't matter. We ended up dropping – what, it was 3 nothing at one point, then 4-1, and then we ended up coming back. So we need to, you know, play our standard way start to finish. We need a full 60 minutes both nights, and we need those six points, especially losing a game last weekend. So, so we like to ask our guests – I mean – we could kind of figure it out from you anyway, but we just want to hear you say it. Um, favorite NHL team? Flyers. There you go. Not 20 minutes from Philly. Everyone's like, oh, you live in Jersey. You should like the Devils. Like, no, I could throw a rock to Philly. Can't, yeah. I'm not driving two hours to root on a team. It's no way. Yeah. 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 Right now it's kind of tough to watch them play because it's like I feel like they're in a re rebuild you know, time, and they're not mm. doing it just yet. So you see Connor Bedard coming up. We want to tank for Connor. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do the Pittsburgh way, right? Didn't Pittsburgh do that for Mario? So it's like we're Sid. So you want to see it, but then they see they win games, and you're like, damn. Like, but I was a big uh, Claude Giroux fan, so last year I was kind of heartbroken when he uh, he when left. left. Yeah. So I mean, you can't base your team on. Cause in that case, I like Chicago because Jonathan Taze has been probably my favorite player other than Giroux. You know, in the last ten years. So definitely Flyers. Though. It's my home team. What was All Philly teams. What was your impression of the Flyers hiring John Tortorella as the coach? I mean, I liked it. He's nitty-gritty, and, you know, he's pretty blunt with how he talks and handles things. A little weird at times with how he does handle it, the social media and whatnot, but, I mean, that's his style, and it's kind of they, they need that kick in their ass. They need that, you know, to bring back that mean streak hockey that they used to play back in the 70s, 80s, or whatever it was. Obviously, I wasn't born, but, you know, you want to see that way, that broad street bully way come back, so... I think he's the right guy for the job. <laughs> to turn it to like one somber note, you know, one thing I did notice was that you you were very quick to post something about Melanie Franco uh, when she passed away. Did you want to just share your thoughts on? Yeah, I mean, it was it was tough. Um, like I said the other day on the ice, like she was a second mom to a lot of us. Um, when I first got to Danbury, she was one of the first fans to come up, you know, introduce herself do I need anything, make sure everything was good. And then, like I said, she, after every game, I'd get, she would call me King Johnny. So King Johnny strikes again, and I would always know I'm going to have a message waiting for me. And that part was always cool. She was just a 
amazing woman. She really was. And sad. And I thought her daughter and husband did an unbelievable job this past week, you know, being strong and, you know, grieving on their own, which if they need to, obviously, you know, we told them, like, you need anything, don't hesitate to ask because we're one big family, right? Yeah. Players, coaching, owners, fans, guys who do the penalty box. <laughs> Everyone, we're one big family, so like, always you're gonna pick that person up next to you, and I think that's where we're at right now with that. And it's sad; you never want to see someone go, especially how she went and how quick it was. Yeah, which was a shame. Um, but no, I mean, rest in peace to her. She was an amazing woman. Like I keep saying, it really does speak a lot about hockey. Has like the best, like we said it on the show last week. Hockey's just got the best community. You know, there's so many people that make it work, and I think. Uh, I think that's one thing that really endears me to the Danbury hockey scene, too, is there's so many people who, no matter what's going on, kind of in the standings and sometimes, like, totally without considering what's going people are saying on Facebook, there are people just supporting the players, supporting the team coming out. I, I think that speaks a lot about it. It's, it's, it's not as fair weather as other places. There are people here who kind of stick with it no matter what. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, that's all I got for you. I, I don't I don't know what Patrick wants to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we got to have you back on, but I don't yeah, know how long that one's going to take. What, 20 episodes now? Yeah, maybe, well, maybe. the maybe. delay we'll was just unbelievable. Here. <laughs> just build up. I was building it up for you guys. Right. We <laughs> needed to work up to this level. Exactly. The guest, the, the captain is here. Right? <laughs> this is a great way to mark off the 10th episode, though. Yes. This 10 is episodes. 10th episode. Is it? Yeah, yeah. We, we've been doing it a while now. So... <laughs> Yeah, we'll we'll look forward to seeing you at thirty episodes now. If we're gonna go by ten each yeah, time, yeah, maybe. Or, well, maybe we'll, we'll add another two to it. So. Yeah. <laughs> How about when we win, win the championship, I'll come back on. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Let's put it on the calendar right now. <laughs> there we go. Mark it. Mark it up. John, thanks for coming in. No, man. thank you for having me. It's about time. Like I said, geez, you guys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> had a, a bunch of other people before me. I'm the, tenth, I'm the tenth one. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for going. Uh, thank you. <laughs>